0: Ha,
1: ha, ha, ha. Hello, Seattle! Welcome to Happy Hour Radio. Hey, it's Halloween weekend, and uh, you are listening to 570 KVI, and I'm Christopher Chan, your host, your host with the most, the Ghoulish Ghost, uh, here on air, the Advanced Sommelier, uh, who is super excited about uh, all things of France. I just got back from France. Um, you probably didn't know I was gone, but. Uh, that's the beauty of radio. Uh, we can do this anywhere. I got satellite. I got a hookup. I got my pal Kevin out there making me look good. I mean, sound good, something like that. Uh, but we are back. It's, uh, trick or treaters will be out there. So be careful. Of course, it's Saturday night and you got all these people with costumes on and, uh, going to parties and, you know, they probably wearing their Batman mask in the car is it's too small. They can't see. So just be careful, everybody. and have a good time. And have a designated driver. How about that? That's the easiest thing to do, and it's worth it. It's 20 bucks for your life uh, each way. <laughs> um, probably don't have to worry about getting there. Maybe you do. you pre-functing. Anyway, um, on the horizon is uh, the annual um, Nouveau Beaujolais uh, release, and that happens on the third Thursday in November. And I'm super excited because I do love Beaujolais. I don't think we drink enough of it, and I certainly don't drink enough of it because, well... Um, It's hard to drink a whole bottle alone. But I will do my best uh, to start drinking more Beaujolais. And if you are interested in Beaujolais, there is a super cool organization here. Um, I have some friends who belong to it. It's called the French-American Chamber of Commerce. Uh, I believe that's what it's called. But uh, I've got Jack Cowan, who's the executive director. Hey, Jack, welcome to Happy Hour.
2: Thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us tonight.
1: Oh, I'm so pleased to have you. Thanks for taking it to Saturday night. Come down to the studio, bring some wine, bring a real Frenchman, of course. Uh, super cool. Tell me, um, is it the French American Chamber of Commerce in Seattle?
2: Yeah, actually, actually it's the French American Chamber of Commerce of the Pacific Northwest. Pacific we Northwest. cover three states, Washington, Oregon, and Idaho. Excellent. So we were founded in 1987. We're about 30 years, more than 30 years old. And uh, we promote trade between France and the Pacific Northwest, so we help French companies interested in coming to the Northwest, and we help Northwest companies thinking of going into France.
1: I remember my friend Bill Shallert gave me a map of like or a list of a hundred different companies that actually the Pacific Northwest has relationships in france right. it 's not like you know just a couple things um, it 's not just wine or cheese. It's aerospace, it's
2: other commodities. Um, yeah, the Trivial Pursuit question is, what's the number one French product coming into Washington State? And the answer is, jet engines, because half the 737 jet engines are actually manufactured in France.
1: Ah, excellent. And. Uh, you think they go on strike more? <laughs> so that's that's just the national companies, all right. Uh, pretty cool. So you've been a member of this organization? Are you part of the founding? Um, no, I actually, I did.
2: Wasn't one of the founders. I I came in. It was founded in eighty seven. I started in ninety four. I see. So I started. I was the first full time employee. We now have two employees, so we've made some progress oh, over wow. 30 years. So.
1: <laughs> Excellent. It's like uh, uh, climate change. Um, <laughs> it takes a little while. Well, I'm trying to think about perhaps some of the principals back then. Was um, Emile Nino part of that French Chamber yes, of Commerce? And, and Francois
2: Cusell, and actually Bill Shallard. Bill Shallard helped us yep. on our first Beaujolais Nouveau. Uh-huh. He's still around. He's still supporting. You'll still be at the event tonight. Uh, this
1: year. Yeah. And of course, uh, we have a friend, uh, Jacques Bourreau. We have Roux, Chef Jacques. Yes. Chef
2: Jacques. Um, and Michel Robert from Boulangerie Of course. Yeah,
1: Michel Robert, I remember him. I used to work down at uh, the Alexis Hotel in the 80s, and uh, he was just around the corner, La Boulangerie. Uh, Pretty neat. So what are some of the things, I mean, when you say you help companies getting connected, What's that process like?
2: Well, so I, one thing we work a lot on is the aerospace sector, as you already mentioned. And so, just this year, we've had four French companies. Uh, three of them actually bought Washington State companies, and uh, another one <laughs> set up uh, something in Tukwila. So, there's a lot of that. Uh, a lot. Of, there's a lot of suppliers, aerospace uh, aerospace suppliers, to the Boeing company, and that's been growing because the the companies are already selling. The French companies are already selling to Airbus or to other companies, Embraer, Mitsubishi, and they're looking to expand their market. So, uh, they want to start. Working working with Boeing. So there's a big, very large aerospace sector. The other sector we work on a lot is tech. We estimate over 600 French nationals work at Microsoft, probably about 350 at Amazon. So there's a large tech community of French nationals, and almost any tech company has a few French guys working for them. We always, always do, you brought up Chef Jack, there's always wine and cheese and we work a lot with the Peterson Company, which is the second oh, largest yes. importer of French cheese Are in, they really? in, yeah, in, in the United States. So, oh, my goodness. Yeah, they have a they big, didn't
1: tell me that when I met them at the Fancy Food Show. <laughs> yes,
2: yeah, so they're, they're quite big on French cheese. Uh, so, And also we have a lot of um, French, uh, Washington State companies that have operations in France. Amazon has over 7,000 employees in France. Costco just opened their first warehouse last year in the Paris suburbs. They have 300 employees. And, of course, Microsoft, Starbucks, Boeing, they all have operations. Operations in France.
1: Sure, I, I just uh, got some pictures uh, recently from a uh, friend who's in in Paris. <laughs> She's pointing out there's a Starbucks on like each corner of that of that intersection, which is, of course, that makes sense. Uh, the Parisians love their café, uh, and so do we. Uh, how many people belong to this organization?
2: We have about uh, eighty corporations that are members of the chamber, both French and American companies. Uh, they range from the, the large companies here, in Microsoft, Boeing, and large French companies like Saffron, Zodiac, uh, Liber, Latocoeur. So, those are well-known companies in France. Is,
1: um, is is membership open to anyone who's interested, or do you have to be a francophile, or do you have to have actually an interest in in French business, or
2: no? We have a general membership at one hundred dollars. So, if you just like, you know, have your heart in France you know you're welcome to join and we do a lot of fun events and you know a variety of uh, uh, you know both in tech aerospace just general networking too we had a Pétanque, uh networking event the other day so <laughs> where does that take place at? uh it was actually at a at a brewery we had it at a brewery
1: <laughs> oh right i think there's some of those brew houses have that at yes, right. Uh, we have one up at our, our vineyard in Walla Walla, a little Court, which is always fun. It's a boules, if you Bouls, will. Yeah. All right. um, what are some of the activities that might uh, um, entice someone to participate on a social level?
2: So on a social level, we do two large social events a year. Um, The one that's coming up is our 27th annual Beaujolais Nouveau Wine Festival. And then we also, in the spring uh, or early, late winter, do a French fest at Seattle Center. We're part of the festal program. So that's the Fête de Francophonie. So that's a family-oriented event on a Sunday. It'll be – I'm trying to remember the date. It's – I think I think it's I believe it's March 26th. It's the weekend after St. Patrick's Day.
1: Okay, perfect. That's the way to go. We <laughs> yeah. go from green to red, white, and blue. Yeah. Uh, well, that's pretty fun. So, um, you've been a member, executive director. When has has obviously as a private organization or as a social or business organization, you probably see ebbs and flows of membership. Was there a high point or was there a low point? Were you worried at all that we would not sustain something like this, or has it been with Boeing's help and, and everything else that it's just been moving forward ever since?
2: Well, I think any director of any nonprofit will say it's every year is a challenge. Yes. So, uh, and we've had our ups and downs during the tech bubble; things were going really well, and then the years after that were a little slimmer. But uh, currently, we're on on kind of a wave because now with Air France coming back, we actually have during the summer twelve daily flights to Paris. So that brings. A lot of French people here. The French population has probably, since I've been director, tripled in size. We probably estimate about seven thousand French nationals in the Puget Sound area. So, in the companies, as I said, the number of French companies coming, especially in the aerospace, uh, is really growing. So, uh, right now we're on a pretty much on a high. So you
1: have a, a trajectory they tra- call that. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, what's the website so people can find more information?
2: So it's www.faccpnw.org. <laughs> very original <laughs> french american chamber of commerce pacific northwest dot org all right f a c c p n w p o pacific
1: northwest p n w dot org yeah. okay french american chamber commerce pacific northwest dot org.
2: yeah and actually we 're part of a network in the united states there's over twenty french american chambers that our our closest neighbor is one in san francisco but there's ones in atlanta new york uh, uh chicago throughout miami Throughout the United States, and most of them do Beaujolais Nouveau wine festivals.
1: Oh well, okay, I, I get that part, and um, I'm certainly that that puts a little blip on the Beaujolais sales. Uh, of course, that style of wine is is unique because it's very youthful and, and fruity and exuberance. Um, but I've, I believe that the area of Beaujolais has um, world class wines that are. Uh, um, Matureable and and drinkable, um, with as some of the greatest Pinot Noirs in the world. Of course, it's Gamay Noir, um, but Beaujolais has got a lot to offer at a very good value as well. How many um, members do you have in the wine and food and and cheese business per se?
2: I per se, it it's a, it's a smaller percentage. I'd say maybe about ten to fifteen percent of our members are actually in the industry. Compared to uh, the other sectors, we do more with.
1: So, uh, is there some networking benefits? Like, um, you, you know, as, as a member, you've got five percent off at a, at a wine club, or is there uh, other opportunities to
2: uh, utilize your your membership benefits? I think I'll let Julian speak a little on this, possibly. But currently, no, we don't have that kind of we, – we do, we do wine events or different you know, different events. And, and that's one thing I've always said as being director for 26 years is I don't want to say anything bad about another country, but I'm director of the French-American Chamber of Commerce. So if I do an event, we'll have French cheese, we'll have French wines. So uh, I, that I usually attract – people that maybe maybe aren't so interested in the topic but are so kind of interested in the food and the wine because we usually have very good food and, and wine whatever we do an event
1: i remember so, uh, did you do events at crep de paris was, was did you oh,
2: I, oh, that was a long time ago yes <laughs> no. but we did yes, it, that, yes when Annie Agostini was still there yes uh-huh. yes but that's a yes Show she so, I, I see her occasionally she's still around in the since she's retired
1: I think the last event I went to at the friend American Chamber of Commerce was a wine tasting at the Fairmont Hotel and that was probably in two thousand ten. That was a long time ago. Yes.
2: uh, You guys
1: sponsored something like that, and at least I haven't been on the radar. I should probably join. Yes, you should. I should. Uh, uh, Je dois... uh, (laughs) adhérer.
2: (laughs) Adhérer l'organisation.
1: So it's F-A-C-C-P-N-W dot org. Right. Excellent. And so we have this event coming up. It's the Beaujolais Nouveau Festival. Where's it held at?
2: This year it's at the Columbia Tower Club. We take over the whole club. That's two floors. And we've been doing it at the Columbia Tower Club for five years. And we're in a partnership with them. They They're a great partner. And by taking over the whole club, we can you know fix it up as we want, so we have uh, sections with different kinds of food so there 's as we talked about food, we have oysters from Hamahama, Hama, mussels from Pen cove we Wheatres. have a, we have we wheat, moules yes, and then we have fromage from Peterson cheeses. And then Grand Central supplies a very good assortment of bakery goods. We have Gerard and Dominique smoked salmon. We have, uh, you know, there's a whole variety of products.
1: uh, I had uh, Dominique at the folks' house the other day. Mm -hmm. He was a cool guy. I met him a couple times, but it's always hard to remember. Like, oh,
2: yeah, you're the guy. He invented smoked salmon in the Northwest.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he did. Um, Really fun stuff. Uh, Is there a special menu outside of that? Uh, Is the chef at the Columbia Tower Club producing something, or do you have some guest chefs?
2: This year we're working with it. They have a new chef at the Columbia Tower Club this year. He's French and Italian, so we have a nice mixture there. Mm. And they prepare a specialty dish. And right now we're working with a, a new startup called Crowd Cow and they'll be supplying the protein, so it'll all be coming from one cow.
1: Oh wait, I saw that. Yes, yes. very interesting. You can actually purchase specific cuts, and and right. um, it's very it's you know where your cow's been. Yeah, exactly, so to speak. you have the
2: whole history of the cow and what farm it came from, and so he'll they'll be supplying some meats. They'll actually also be supplying some bone, so he'll be doing a, a a bone marrow broth that you'll also be able to test taste at the event. So it'll be quite fun this year. That sounds fun. So how much are tickets? It's. Uh, Seventy-five uh, are, No, it's a hundred. A well, hundred dollars for non-members.
1: Okay. Uh, so, okay. what do you? For what's it what, for members?
2: For it's seventy-five.
1: There you go. So you say twenty-five bucks, you become a yeah. membership.
2: <laughs> and if you really have some big bucks, you pay one hundred and fifty, and you get a VIP ticket, and you're in a seated room with champagne.
1: Oh, really? Champagne? Yeah. Mm, someone I know, perhaps. <laughs> uh, very fun. Oh well, Kurt Cowan. Uh, I'm sorry, Jack yeah. Cowan. Uh, you are the executive director for twenty-six Six years. years yep. Uh that's a lot of uh loyalty liberte and fraternite I would imagine. Uh good for you. And uh, of course that that's a very interesting Website faccpnw of course and then tickets are available. How many people are going plan to attend? We usually have about four fifty. Four fifty and uh, the hours what six? P- it's a Friday
2: night. Wait, sorry, sorry, well, the VIPs get in at six and the non uh, the non VIPs get in at seven yeah, and yeah. it ends at eleven.
1: Okay, super fun. Uh, well, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna chat with Julian Eve, who is a uh, a French uh, importer of wine here in Seattle. We'll talk about Beaujolais and I see a bottle over there. I hope we're gonna be able to crack it. I've got a glass over here and I'm always interested in drinking because this is. Happy Hour Radio. Hey, folks, stick around. I got more talking about the Beaujolais Nouveau Festival coming up on November 16th at the Columbia Tower Club, right here on Happy Hour Radio.
0: live, he's local, he's all Northwest. Lars Larson weekdays noon to 3, talk radio 570 KVI KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan.
1: Alright Seattle, hey welcome back, it's time for round 2 and I've got a, a real Frenchman in the studio Mon ami, Julian Hervé Bienvenue à Happy Hour Radio
3: Merci,
1: Good to have you here, nice to see you again. You've been in Seattle how long? Ten years. Ten years, and you hail from France? Absolutely. Uh, Actually, I went through North Carolina and San Francisco before. Okay. What part of France are you from? I grew
3: up in the Loire Valley.
1: The Loire Valley in Tours. Uh, oh, and, and, uh, in Tours? Yeah. Okay, so that's in the middle, or sort more east, right? Or is it in the middle? That's
3: yeah. That's between Paris and Bordeaux, if you want to okay. think about it this way. So.
1: But on the riverside, sure. obviously you got the Nantes on the on the west, and you've you got, got the yeah.
3: So. It's between North and Sancerre. Right, if okay.
1: You want to put it. That's right, in the middle. Very cool. Um, you started a wine business here in
3: Seattle. Were you in wine before? Uh, I wasn't in wine before. I came to Seattle for Microsoft. Oh. Like so many of French people. And okay.
1: This. Right. So, and are you still with Microsoft? I am not with Microsoft anymore. Do you use Microsoft products? I do use a lot of <laughs> Microsoft products. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> One of the, the the perks of the business. Uh, so, fun. You have a wine company here in
3: Seattle. We got a couple of those, actually. Okay. Yeah. So we uh, we started three years ago by importing and distributing wine uh, with H uh, wines, and then we started also to sell online directly to, to consumers. And then very recently, we opened our own retail wine bar uh, in downtown Bellevue called uh, Cepai. Oh, that's you. Of course it is. I didn't know that. Oh, well, now you do. Well, didn't. that's
1: why you're here.
3: How about that? I, I, well, that's well, one of I, the reasons, I guess, why I'm here. Re- yes, <laughs> this
1: is it. Obviously, you're doing something with my friend Tanya Morningstar Darling in the, the, the burgundy classes. We do
3: have a great program with Tanya in a, in a few weeks, absolutely. Yes.
1: Yes. Um, <laughs> It's so fun. Well, uh, h- how did you get into wine? Were you uh, were you on the Microsoft
3: charge account? Were you doing business dinners and like just trying to impress people? No, I've actually started just because I was not finding the wines I wanted to find in the Pacific Northwest. Mm. Uh, oh, when I was finding them, they were way too expensive because there was this damn three tier system that was on yes. the way. And so many middlemen, and yeah, (laughs) I would stop
1: there. I know that exactly. Well, you know, the United States, after prohibition, they they mandated a three tier system, meaning producers, distributors, and retailers, and or that would be on premise, uh, which means everyone got a cut. So it made the end consumer, the end product, a little more expensive, and of course, a little more bureaucratic with all the different laws. But uh, we uh, uh, digress. Um, Let's talk about Beaujolais. You have some Beaujolais in your portfolio?
3: We do. Uh, we're working with uh, Domain Bell Avenir, uh, which is a small family domain, like most of the domains most we work them, with. Yeah. Um, and uh, they actually do a lot of the different crews. Uh, they have some Morgon, some Saint Amour, some Gilienas. Some um, moulin avant so that's why it's interesting to work with these guys, and they also have a Beaujolais village.
1: Interesting, and in, and in the crews of uh, Beaujolais. Obviously, Julienus is named after Julius Caesar, absolutely, right? Yeah. Um, Santa More is the saint of love. I mean, someone absolutely. <laughs> so
3: all of the cru's of Beaujolais have a, have a story, and even though they are fairly close to each other from a geographical standpoint, they all have a very different characteristic. You know, the terroir is what's most important in wine, and uh, uh, and the Beaujolais is definitely a place where you've got a lot of change in the climate, just in a few on a few hills, and so you you can have wines that are very different. You're drinking a Morgon now, which is you know, known to be a little bit more powerful and masculine in some ways. If you go to Saint-Amour, it's much more round and feminine.
1: Interesting. I was there in the Beaujolais region in the um, the, the commune of Fleury, and I was surprised how you can see Moulin Avant, and then on the distance, uh, the brewery and Cote Bruy and don't remember the specific point but you can see everything and there it's hilly it's it's not a flat it's uh, I think of Burgundy is more of a little valley so you've got sides on both but this is actually more of round hills and, and actually bigger hills
3: yeah absolutely there is a uh, much more of that and much more variety and that's why you've got the village and then all the different crews and they can be so close to each other and well so different
1: it's uh it's delicious wine and what's great about most Beaujolais is that it's under twenty five dollars and uh, it's really good wine because they've got old vines they've got winemakers have been doing that for the same you know the they've, same way they've been
3: working Gamay for generations and generations so you know it's uh, it's v- something that's very specific to a lot of the uh, old world uh, winemakers that they're focusing on one or two grapes and they keep on doing it and. Improving uh, all the time. I think it was
1: Philip the Bold. Wasn't it Philip the Bold who said Gamay cannot be in the Loire Valley, right? And he said...
3: Yes, there, but, uh, there is a little bit of Gamay in the Touraine appellation, uh, yeah. but that's, you know, in most of those places, it's definitely, I mean, Gamay is definitely a, a Beaujolais grape. Uh, even, you know, hailing from Tour, I would not say it's one of the grapes that grows the best in the Loire Valley. Sure. I'll get, I'll get my Cabernet Franc well, you Well,
1: you different, different uh, terroir there different, there, different soil sites. Different, sorry, no. When you think about Beaujolais, what's, how would you describe it to somebody who, I don't know what Beaujolais, because Beaujolais sounds really fancy. Pinot Noir. It, it does, It's
3: it's interesting. It does and it doesn't, right? I mean, Beaujolais unfortunately has been fighting against the perception of this Beaujolais Nouveau that was very fashionable and, and in the 80s and the 90s. And that especially in Paris
1: of, too, right? That's where it in started.
3: Paris, yeah. You had a lot of parties, and and now it's kind of you talk with a lot of the Beaujolais winemakers, and they are struggling with this notion that Beaujolais is just a a wine for one evening during the year. Yeah. Um, Beaujolais and Nouveau and is a fun thing to do on, you know, on the third uh, Thursday of November, but beyond that, there's a lot of uh, variety in the wines, there is a lot of variety in uh, what people can do with it, and really we encourage people to go and discover what Beaujolais can be. Uh, One of the great surprises I've I've had with our portfolio is when we sell to restaurants, uh, we have a a, a Beaujolais village uh, that's you know an entry price point Beaujolais because most of those those wines, as you said, uh, tend to be a uh, uh, fairly uh, in you know below 15 for on the distribution price um, and. We've sold pallets and pallets of this wine, just because restaurants discover Beaujolais anew with this type of uh, of winemaker.
1: It's interesting because in restaurants, people will be more apt to try something new or take a suggestion. But in in you know, and where most people buy their wine these days is is a supermarket or a grocery store. Just and don't buy wine. No. I know, but <laughs> yeah, you're there. And you've I know, got your basket I know. And just get
3: it, get advice from people who can.
1: This is true. So go to Cepay, and For which instance, is in yes. in uh, Bellevue, and you have a great list there. I noticed. Um, of course, Beaujolais has Beaujolais, Beaujolais Village, which is a blend of different villages, mm-hmm. of course, and then the communes, which are, there are 10. And we've got, um, of course, from north to south, um, different styles of wine, but it's all the same grape. And there's no white Beaujolais, is there?
3: There isn't a white
1: Beaujolais. No, there no. isn't. And um, when you think about Gamay, A lot of people have that first Beaujolais Nouveau experience, and so they think that's the style of wine that it is to continue. Beaujolais Nouveau is the Oktoberfest celebration of Beaujolais wine. Basically, come on, drink some of this fresh stuff. It's youthful, it's young, it's fruity, it's really delicious, and it's fun. It's not a very technical wine. Actually, it's technical, I should say. It's not a very complex wine, certainly not complex at all. Um, But when you think about real Beaujolais in the communes, this is a complex wine. It gets much more complex, absolutely. Yeah, great acidity, great balance, good tannin. Obviously, you're talking red, dark fruits. Um, Beaujolais has um, a very similar personality to Pinot Noir, but it's distinctly different. There's a little bit of a, a bluer edge to it or something.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you you have to think about it, Pinot Noir is a fairly known entity in different regions in the world. And here in the Pacific Northwest, we've got a beautiful region for uh, uh, Oregon. It's down south. Um, Gamay is a grape that has, because of the perception, because also of the challenge sometimes of working a grape that tends to be a little lighter uh, in the most perception of people or less complex. Uh, hasn't had a chance. Uh actually I know that in Oregon some guys are trying to grow from Gami. Right. Uh, I haven't found great products yet, I think. Not yet. But you know, I'm I'm sure at one point someone is going to uh, to find a, a way to make it happen. Uh but yeah Gami Gami has a poor reputation uh or cheap reputation uh that is definitely overcoming over the last ten years.
1: Right. Um, and it's it's totally unwarranted in this day and age. Yeah. Obviously um the struggles with, with either hail storms or just the particular vintage but it's really a matter of people trying the wine and i I would see that everyone is trying starting to to try different wines because there's a whole influx of wines from south africa and from uh, argentina and chile Um, and france i mean this is one of the best bistro bottles you can buy yeah
3: i would say i mean even if you go to a, a restaurant in seattle if you have you know, a cru de Beaujolais, I will encourage you to take it because it's most likely one of the best value on the list.
1: Sure, it's going to taste great. It's going to be similar in style to a great Pinot Noir, that you would pay twice as much for, and probably be disappointed because it's a it's Pinot, was more, Pinot Noir is a much more fickle grape. If I can get that out, uh, super fun. So we're talking about the we won't say the Beaujolais party. Right? It's November
3: 16th. Beaujolais Nouveau Wine Festival. The festival.
1: Right. uh, Um, And you'll have all styles of uh, Beaujolais there, right?
3: We'll have actually all styles of wines.
1: All styles of wine. Okay. So,
3: with the partnership that we have with Georges Dubuff at the national level for the French American Chamber of Commerce, uh, Georges Dubuff is providing some wine to, uh, to the party and there will be some Nouveau and some Cru. And then we've got different partners and different winemakers that will be scattered around the floor and pouring some wine. Uh, for myself, with Sepaé, we will have some Saint-Amour, some julien Asse, uh, likely maybe some Morgon. We'll see depending on, on what we feel like these days. But we will also have wines actually from uh, winemakers uh, from Oregon, from Washington. And for ourselves in the VIP room, we will have champagne and Bordeaux too. I
1: like the VIP room. <laughs> it's
3: a great room to be at. If you have to buy a ticket, go now because the VIP room sells out. I'm and sure it's, it's a great, great body that you mean.
1: Well, this has been a real treat. Uh I'm a Franco Like I said, I was back from Paris and I'll be going to Vin Expo Bordeaux in May uh next year. I had uh lunch with uh uh Diane um f- who's the new winemaker for Baron Lafitte Rothschild just yesterday, the mm-hmm. l- l- fantastic is Thierry's involved, yeah. I imagine, to some degree. Really cool. Uh, well, um, Jack Cowan and Julian Hervé, uh, what a treat. Uh, it's November 16th at the Columbia Tower Club, dot org for the Beaujolais Nouveau Festival. It's uh, Or is it Nouveau Beaujolais? Beaujolais Nouveau. <laughs> Thanks so much for taking some time to join me on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you. Hey folks, stick around. We're going to have more fun and uh, maybe a little sunshine in the glass. So stick around right back on Happy Hour Radio.
0: Start your day the right way. The Commute with Carlson, live and local, weekdays 6 to 9 a.m. Talk Radio 570 KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want and Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. Time for round three. Hope you
1: got something tasty in your glass. I've got someone I'm so excited about, thrilled and honored to meet. Uh, he's in Seattle this week presenting some really fun stuff. His name is Eddie Osterlund. And uh, we were just about, talking about uh, Beaujolais Nouveau. Well, this guy was the Nouveau Master Sommelier in America. I mean, he was the very first, and that is such um, a huge accomplishment. And to be the the first, um, it's I'm just honored and thrilled. We're going to chat with him about uh, what it was like <laughs> back in the day, and then we're going to uh, continue next week and talk about his power entertaining. Uh, he's got a great book. He's uh, a professional speaker, but I'll let uh, Eddie Ostellin. Hey, Eddie, welcome to Happy Hour.
4: Hey, thanks, Chris. Good to be here today.
1: I'm so excited to have you. Um, I mentioned Power Entertaining, but we'll get to that. So you were America's first master sommelier. As a matter of fact, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, was it your first attempt to pass that exam? Actually, I did pass on all three. Did they did they have the crude cup back then?
4: No, they didn't. That was like 14 years later, so I, was, you know, I wish it was retroactive because I... I'm a non-Krug cupper.
1: <laughs> well, next time you see Shane, we'll just get you a little, <laughs> one of those, uh, little uh, name tags. Um, so, well, let's talk about this. This, How did you get into wine? I mean, we're talking about uh, 1960s, 1970s?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It Really, it goes back to uh, high school because, um, <laughs> you know, in high school, I was a, a party animal. You know, I drank a lot of beer, drank wine, you know, and... Uh, when it came time to graduate, uh, my guidance counselors took a look at my SAT scores, and I remember them looking over the scores and they said, uh, "Edmund, Edmund, <laughs> Edmund, we're thinking, we're thinking maybe you might want to look into wine and beer, really as your career. No, it's not. <laughs> it's, not it's not how <laughs> I was going to say. I don't remember those uh, categories to check off. <laughs> exactly." No, it didn't happen that way. But I graduated from high school. I grew up in New Jersey and really? gradu- graduated from college with a degree in psychology. And before I jumped out on that treadmill of life to work till I'm ninety, me and a buddy said, "Yeah, hey, let's go to California. Let's go. Let's go see something other than Jersey." Mm. So we went down to what you had to do then. But, uh, we went down to a travel agency and we of walked course. in the door and talked to this lady and said, "Hey." We want to get a one-way ticket to California. You know, we'll One get a, way, we'll get a summer job. You know, we'll work our way back, and uh, you know, three months later we'll come home. But um, we just want to get out of out of Dodge here and see something different. And uh, woman says to us boys, because back then we were boys. She goes, "For another ninety-five dollars, you fellas could go to Honolulu." <laughs> what do you think we said to that? We said, "Yeah, write that ticket." <laughs> so right? we sh- so we all of a sudden, you know, a week later we're in Waikiki, standing on the beach, you know looking over Diamond Heads on the left. And, uh, you know, I think in the first month, I fell in and out of love like four times. And I went, damn, uh, this is better than Jersey wow. by far. You know, and then before I knew it, I, I blinked, game over, the summer vaporized, and Mom's leaving a message on my answering machine. Eddie, when are you coming home? <laughs> uh. <laughs> so conveniently, for me at least, I sent her a message on her machine at 3 a.m. in the morning so she wouldn't get it. And I said, Mom, I forgot to tell you. Geez, so busy. I got myself into graduate school and I'm working on my master's. And I got a good job, bought a car. What? I mean, the good news is I don't need to tap you and dad for any more dough. Um, but as busy as I am, you got to understand I got to go. I love you, mom. Hung up. And then turned to myself and said, Okay, buddy, <laughs> go get some of that. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, faced with that job, uh, undergrad with psychology, I got into graduate school. Um, Working on my master's, I took a course called Psychopharmacology because back in the oh, early 70s, goodness. that was a very popular course, as <laughs> one can imagine. So, I'm, you know, I'm running la- uh, rats through mazes with my white lab jacket on during the day, but had to work at night. You know, you got to work at night, you got a couple of options bartending, right? Or, you know, mm-hmm. who you who, who get the beef, you know, who ordered this. <laughs> so, I flipped the coin, I said, I'm a waiter, never done that before. How hard could that be? Go to the ilikai Hotel because I did know that was the, the best ilikai. hotel, the best hotel back there in the seventies. You know, went in, lied my you know what off on the interview, and uh, they said you start tonight. I said great, so I run upstairs, put on that black bow tie, and I'm ready. Dress shoes? I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> <laughs> I bought some right away, patent leather, and I'm running around the dining room and baffling it terribly and saying who ordered this or whatever. You seen that guy? Yeah. Um, but pretty soon I caught on, Man, I was. I was making good money, you know. Bought a car. I had a Volkswagen bug with a hatchback. And that was an important car because you could drop the surfboard right through the roof, right. you know. It's pretty cool. I didn't surf, but without a board, you didn't meet any women. So <laughs> I had to have the, the prop. <laughs> I needed to have the proper stuff set up, you know. So I so was set up. You're a smart, anyway, man. Yeah, at the you know, 23. So anyway, um, life is good. I'm on my own. I cut the umbilical cord from mom and dad. I'm living in Hawaii, going to graduate school, paying my own way. I mean, what could be better than that? One night, about uh, ten minutes to six, the maitre d comes walking through the dining room, and he's got this hardware. It's a chain with a uh, cup and a tasting cup and a key that the French guy, who was the the we called him a wine steward back then, or sommelier. Uh, he it's what he wore. And this guy walks up to me, hangs it on my neck, and goes, "Eddie, Pierre called in sick. You got to help me out, man." I looked. Really? at the, He hangs this thing on my neck like you're going to do his job. <laughs> I said, I don't even drink wine. I drank beer. Don't do that to me. I won't. I can't. The guy says, Eddie, you want to keep your job? Ooh. I said, uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. He goes, here's the rules. White wine. It goes with fish. <laughs> Red wine. You serve that with meat. Anybody on the fence, go deep, man. Hit him with a rosé. <laughs> wow. Back in the 70s, only two rosés to choose, Lancers and Matus. That's right. So that was my training program. <laughs> so I went around the table, you know, the, the dining room wearing the hardware and people would raise their hand and go, you know, hello, sir, my wife's having scampi and myself, I'm doing the salt and boco. What would you recommend? I pick up the wine list. I never even opened it before. Uh-huh. I'm holding it kind of nervous. And I said, uh, you might uh, might want to try this number 131. It's uh, Chateau Belgraves. It's a ducks uh, for, uh, It's $35. <laughs> and the guy says, well, that's that's what you suggest. Why don't you bring us a bottle? I said, okay. Come over there. Pull the cork. Pour a little for the guy and his wife. They raise their glass, clink to each other. This lady looks at him, smiles. She likes it. The guy puts a five dollar bill in my hand as a tip. Boom. Says, "That's a good job, good choice." And I'm going, "Hey, Sommelier. <laughs> what do you th- what do you think? Four ducks, Sommelier?" And there, I, we, you know, that's the way it started. So I, you know, I get around the room at the end of the night, like we all have in the restaurant. But it's at eleven o'clock. You sit down, you pull all the cash out of your pocket, <laughs> see how well you did. I'm counting a pile of cash. And I said something like, holy um, Eureka, is that right? Eureka. Something, something like Hon- that. Holy Honolulu. Yeah, holy Honolulu. You know, there's a whole lot of money here, and I'm serving wine, and I don't know a freaking thing about it. Nothing. I'm baffling people with total BS all night long, and they're paying me. I'm going, how cool is that? Give it away. You know, it lasted about <laughs> Luckily three- Luckily, you got a good list, right? <laughs> exactly. lasted about three days until a little voice wh- whispers to you says, man, what if you did know something about wine? Ooh. Why don't you think about that, Eddie. So I did give it some thought, and now we're fast forwarding because I, I, had, I, w- I was now working the days off of the sommelier. I was working Sunday, Monday. His yeah. days off. So I was, I was like a, a bit of a sommelier. I went to a university course and took a once a week course so I could learn how to, yeah, you know, learn what a Burgundy was, et cetera. Wow, oh, they had that and, in, Hullo, and Hullo, huh? they did actually. They That's really, awesome. they really did. I was very surprised. Night school, and then something happened to change my life because um, one night I had heard that a. a A Chateau owner from from San Francisco named Henry Vandervoort had an importing company called Burkitt Vandervoort, and he owned Chateau Belgrave in Poyac. And he and his family were visiting Hawaii on vacation, and I thought, I'd like to meet this French guy. I hear he's nice, you know. So anyway, what I did was, because the, the national sales manager asked me to do it, I was in an Italian restaurant called the Trattoria. Only had Italian wines on the list. He said, well, put this guy's wine on the list. I said, it's we... people don't order Bordeaux wine. And he said, just please, he's here for one night. So I put his wine on the front page. They're all label page books. Yeah. You know? So I put his wine on the front page. And then I did something fun. You know, during the day, I was running rats through mazes in the laboratory. When I came down at night, the, the restaurant was like a big... Laboratory with people. The <laughs> people were like big rats. So I used to do stuff. You know, somebody orders your array and tonic, I'd give them this well gin to see if they noticed the difference. And I noticed people didn't taste much. So anyway, this guy's coming in with his family at eight o'clock at night. And what I decided to do at six eight, six p.m. when I opened the restaurant, every time someone came in the restaurant and said, "Hi, um, we're having the Gok and, and Veal Piccata. What would you recommend?" I said. Have you ever had Chateau Belgrave? And they'd say, "Is that is that Italian?" I said, "No, it's it's actually French." But no, nah, we're looking for some Chianti, and I'd say, "Well, this wine is it's actually used, it, this, this this wine is actually used in the sauce for the for the veal that you're getting, and it's really good." And then they you know then I said, "Would you like to try a sample of it?" I'll bring you a sample. I do whatever it took uh. to put nineteen bottles of wine on tables with his label facing him. And when he walked in the door at 8 o'clock at night and saw 19 of his bottles of wine in an Italian restaurant, he said, WTF. Tell me who's responsible for this.
1: Wow, that's Eddie Osterlin, uh sharing his story about how he got into wine, and I am fascinated. Um, you could, we could both use a little tan these days. Maybe head back to uh, the beautiful islands, but we're gonna stick around, folks. I've got more with uh, the first master sommelier in America, Eddie Osterlin, right here on Happy Hour Radio.
0: proud, holding nothing back. Michael Savage, The Savage Nation. Weeknights, 9 to midnight. Talk Radio 570 KVI. Now more KVI one to Know Weekends. Back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle, welcome back for our fourth and final segment.
1: And uh, we'll stick around for next week. I've got more of Eddie who who is America's first master sommelier. He's telling us a story about how he met the owner of Chateau, Belgrave and Poyac. And, uh, well, he had some tricks up his sleeve. And tell us more, Eddie.
4: Well, where we left off is... Uh this French guy who owned Belgrave comes walking into this Italian restaurant and I put a bottle of his French wine on nineteen tables, all with a label facing him. When he walked in he thought, This is a frickin' Twilight Zone. What how could this possibly be? Everybody ordering my wine. Not to mention each bottle he said, Who's responsible Except for this? <laughs>
2: so
4: he he asked the waiter who's responsible for this. The guy fingers me. He says, Why did you do that? I said, I want to get your attention. He says, You did. So I sat down with him at the end of the night. And he just kind of, long story short, said, hey, if I were you, I'd go study wine. And the best place in the world is the University of Bordeaux. It's taught by Dr. Emile Paino. Uh, no American's ever done that before. If you want, I'll get you in the course. You're going to have to go for a year and learn French over there. But if that's of interest, I'll help you out. And I just said, let's go. That's awesome. So I moved to France, you know, and uh, took the the language course, and then got into the University of Bordeaux. Eventually, I wound up with a DUAD, uh, which stands for <laughs> Diplôme Universitaire d'Aptitude de la Dégustation de Vin. It's France's or Bordeaux's wine uh, professional wine tasting degree, which they still give today. It's, it's well-recognized. It's like the MS. Well, that's
1: much better, because I thought you were going to say DUI.
4: <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, and and so while I'm studying it, in Bordeaux, you know, I'm doing some research, I found out that there's this thing called a Master Sommelier Diploma, uh, that no The American... internet wasn't around, so how no. would you find that information? I don't know. I, I, it, it was a yeah. poster, you know? Hey. A, not a poster, <laughs> but through some, some kind of contacts, I found out there there was this exam that I think only 13 Europeans had What year passed. is this? 72, probably. 72. And uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm tasting wine every day in Bordeaux at the university. And uh, and get, you learned French get, pretty well? I learned it well enough to take you a course in Iowa. and write, write it, but, okay. uh, you know, back then I... You know, I, I had to had to learn it, so I did, but I don't use it as much as anymore. Anyway, long story short, uh, you know, I discovered this exam. I figured, hey, no m- American had ever climbed that mountain. So I went to London and bang, took all three parts, passed them. And I said, wow, I'm a master sommelier. I came back to Bordeaux. I used to go to places like Lafitte and tell them that, and they go, master sommelier, what's that? What's that? quest que c'est que They had no freaking idea. I mean, nobody knew what it was. Nobody had ever done it. So- <laughs> as lofty a title as it is now it didn't mean too much then <laughs> how ironic but uh, you know that's that's. that's but you way. went to London
1: though and then you go hey I know what that is right yeah that's, how many uh, master summaries were were in London at the time
4: I'm going to guess 13 right
1: and they started that organization like in 67 66, 68, 68 maybe yeah. yeah okay I was reading a little bit about it yeah. and um I thought that was really cool that they finally created this certification process to uh, to recognize greatness and also to make sure that a certain level of foundation knowledge, quality service, and tasting expertise goes along with that credential. Yeah, they
4: had somewhat of a prerequisite. You had to have been a, a sommelier on the floor for five years in a, in a restaurant in America or wherever you lived, um, so and be recommended by another another one. You didn't just walk in and take the exam. I mean, (laughs) it it was their precursor to the advanced course or something like that. There's another badge. I have it in my bag. Oh, really? Yeah, it's ancient. Oh, wow. But it was fun. So anyway, I'll show you that, yeah.
1: That's amazing. Um, So it was theory. Was it oral back then or was it written? No, it was was all oral. It was oral. And uh, there was a service portion, obviously, which we can always do because you're confident and that's familiarity. Yeah,
4: that's where you had to have the five years' experience on the floor and be recommended. They had the same, uh, you know, theory questions, but the questions were pretty deeply engulfed in European wines, in you know, all the standard excellence, you know, Italy, Spain, Germany, sure. France. Well,
1: that's a great and, foundation because then the rest is yeah. must seem easy almost.
4: <laughs> right, 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 right. So, it's, But it's interesting that the exam is the exact same format. That's 45 years ago. As it is now, it's just now that it's harder, of course. Just like the bar. My wife's an attorney, and she goes, "Yeah, the bar exam gets harder every year." So
1: my mom was board certified oral and maxillofacial surgeon. Okay. It took her three tries. You three three only tries. get three. Wow. For oral, oral boards. Uh, well, I admire that. That's a fun story. Uh, you know, you thought you were going to Napa, and then you ended up in Honolulu. You were a beach bum and falling in love with the Wahinis. Obviously enjoying some suds, some Kona beer on uh <laughs> looking at uh the I had suns. a pet
4: monkey. <laughs> I flew <laughs> no airplanes I flew airplanes for thirty years. I mean I, that was my hobby in Hawaii, flying airplanes and drinking wine and playing with a monkey and meeting women. <laughs>
1: wow. Wow. Well, um, that could be the the course for success. Maybe we is that in your book? As a
4: matter of fact, it's
1: not. uh... Well, um, Eddie Oshlin, I'm so happy you can stick around because we're going to host you on another show and uh, talk more about power entertaining. Um, What a treat! Do you have a website? I do, com, and
4: I can't wait to tell you about what I've been doing for 20 years.
1: Fantastic. Well, I'm super excited. It's EddieOsterlin.com, Ameri- the first Master Sommelier in America, and how ironic that no one in France cared at the time or knew what it was. <laughs> and yet today, uh, it's the pinnacle of our industry and something that many people, such as me, Uh, strive for excellence in our industry. And, hey, folks, I hope you had a great show. hope you enjoyed the show, I should say. And remember, life is always better with a designated driver. I'll see you next week with more of Eddie Osterlin, Master Sommelier.